Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast where we talk about entrepreneurship, consciousness, mindfulness, meditation, manifestation, Instagram, YouTube, all in one place. I personally have been feeling a little bit crazy this week. I've been having trouble sleeping, which is super unusual for me. And turns out that I'm not the only one. I did a little survey on Instagram on breakfast criminals and turns out that like 87% of people are feeling this way. And someone who knows more about the moon and the stars and astrology actually messaged me and said that apparently that's what's going on the stars. So it's not you. It's good. And by the way, I did watch the new movie about the moon with Ryan Gosling, and it was pretty good. Not as good as the previous movie about the moon with George Clooney. But anyway, this week's episode is brought to you by myself. Just kidding. I am off to Aspen tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. to speak at the Lead with Love Summit, which I've done an interview with its founder a couple of months ago. It was a great episode. Look out for the Gina Murdoch episode. That's all about leading with mindfulness and love and being an embodied leader. I'm going to be on a panel with other podcasters, as well as leading my own workshop about conscious social media strategies to help you really create an impact and create a community and create a successful business as well, because that's what I do. Before we get into this week's episode, I want to share with you something that came up last week. And it was in my interview with Dr. Will Cole, who is a guest on one of the upcoming episodes. He said that you cannot heal a body that you hate. Think about it. You cannot heal a body that you hate. I think it's just so profound that the way that I see it is that no wellness trends and self-care practices are going to work and be effective and impactful for you if underneath it are the layers of you not being kind and accepting to your body. So I think just simplifying, I'm on a journey of simplifying everything right now, including self-care and my relationship with my own body and my own existence and my business, just stripping it down and starting with the basics, starting with things that make you feel good and not layering things on top of each other. Just go back to basics, start simple. Be aware of the thoughts that you have, be aware of your limiting beliefs, be aware of any judgments you have, and just let them come by and let them go away just like they came by. I know it sounds simple, but there's something about not being attached to your thoughts and just letting them come through completely and letting them play out in your mind completely that completely releases their tension and takes away their power so that you step back into your power and claim what you want to occupy your mind, your body, your energetic field with. Anyway, so that's a little energy talk of the week. Let me know if you want to hear more mindfulness practices, quotes, books, things like that. I would love to hear your suggestions, Desk. Just send me a DM over at Woke and Wired on Instagram. 
And I also truly appreciate all of you who have taken a moment to leave a rating and a review for this podcast on iTunes. It does make a difference. It makes my day. I love reading those and I love helping others discover these conversations that offer a different perspective on all the things. And I'm finding that a lot of the guests who are coming on my podcasts, the conversations that we end up having cover topics that they, a lot of the times, have not publicly talked about yet or have never gone in depth about. So this is exclusive, y'all. Anyway, this week's episode guest is Lauren Toyota of Hot for Food. I discovered Lauren through my friend Ashley Wood, who was on my podcast and I was on hers. Her podcast is Manifest This. And I remember scrolling through her podcast feed, Ashley's, and seeing something about YouTube and manifestation. And I was like, who is this chick? YouTube and manifestation, those are like the two things that I'm really into right now. I need to know more. So it was an episode with Lauren Toyota. And I checked out her YouTube channel. And she posts not only incredible vegan food recipes, but also more personal videos on building your inner strength and confidence, encouraging you to follow your dreams, listen to your heart, and be fearless when it comes to creating a life that you desire. There's talk about manifestation, there's talk about mindset, and as soon as I saw her video from 2015 about manifestation, I knew that I needed to have her on this podcast. Lauren is someone who comes from a traditional media background. She's one of the most recognizable media figures in Canada. She was an MTV host and she's interviewed everyone from Justin Bieber to Kanye West, you name it. And now she's focused on building her own channels. She's the content creator and the producer of Hot for Food, which is a vegan recipe channel with over 430,000 subscribers and over 30 million channel views which is crazy. She wrote a best-selling book, Vegan Comfort Classics, 101 Recipes to Feed Your Face with Penguin Random House. And she's just badass. She's so real and vulnerable. And a couple of weeks ago, she posted what I ate in a day video on YouTube. It's episode number 49, if you want to find it. And for the first few minutes, all she talks about is the heart bowl, by Breakfast Criminals, which if you guys don't know, I started Breakfast Criminals when I was going through a broken heart and I just started eating my food from this beautiful ceramic red heart-shaped bowl that was my reminder to just start every day anew and, and give myself a chance, even if I don't feel like nourishing myself or loving myself. Take that mindful moment and a mindful pause to really nourish my energy and my body and that's how the whole thing started. That's how it grew. And as soon as I told Lauren about it, it really resonated with her. And you'll find out why once you listen to this podcast. And she posted a whole thing about it. And it's been drawing so many people to my website. So many people in Canada have bought the heart bowl. Lauren, I'm super grateful for you spreading the good word. And actually, a lot of people have bought it for their friends who are going through a hard time or a heartbreak, which warms my heart double the amount than normal purchases. And if you want to get your own heart bowl as a gift for yourself or for someone else, then you can get it on myheartbowl.com and get a 20% discount by entering code WOKE and WIRED. That's just a little token of appreciation that 
I can share with you for being here with me, for listening to the incredible guests I'm bringing over, for leaving reviews, for tuning in, for sharing it with your friends. Back to Lauren. Some of the things we talked about are how she transitioned from regular traditional media into being her own boss and being a YouTuber and growing her channel and what role intuition has played in her growth, how to become a powerful manifester and some of the resources and videos and books she consumes to get into that mode how meditation has played a huge role in her being more energetically aware of herself and how it's a big part of her self-love routine. We also talked about how Lauren grew her team, how she deals with overwhelm when she's going through a lot of deadlines and brand projects, lessons she has learned from running hot for food, embracing change as a vlogger and a social media persona, Setting healthy boundaries with social media, whether you are a professional social media person or not, I think it's really relevant for all of us in this world. And we'll also go over some fun questions of what her favorite computer game growing up was and her very first screen name. And lastly, and the reason why you should listen to the very end, is in the end, Lauren shares her favorite crystals, how she got her very first crystal, and how she currently works with them in her meditation practice. This episode is a special one, and I would love to hear what you're getting away from it. Take a screenshot of you listening to it and share it on Instagram and tag at woke and wired and at Lauren Toyota. And as always, all the links and resources that we mentioned in the podcast are as well as all the links to Lauren's channels her book, and everything else that's going to be linked in the show notes. Just go to wokeandwired.com and you'll find everything there. Okay, here's Lauren. Lauren, I am so stoked to have you on Woke and Wired podcast. As soon as I discovered you through our mutual friend, Ashley Wood, and heard you talking about YouTube and manifestation in the same sentence. I just knew that I have to bring you on the podcast. So thanks for being here with me today. Thank you so much for having me. So I want to jump right into it. And what I like doing is I'm going to pull up your Instagram profile and read your bio. Okay. And you're going to tell me what it is that you actually do on a day-to-day basis. Okay. So Lauren Toyota on Instagram, if you guys want to look it up. It says host, content producer, vegan at Hot for Food, Hot for Food cookbook available now, YouTuber, part of Kin Community, and hashtag Lauren IRL vlogs. <laughs> A lot of emojis, pink hearts, press play, all of that. So what do you actually do, Lauren? <laughs> <laughs> Well, the word YouTuber is in there to give it some context, but I'm more than a YouTuber. I mean, I guess I'm an entrepreneur. And so I'm in my house a lot and or my apartment and I'm cooking and I'm taking photographs and I'm creating stuff or just making stuff. And then I'm putting it on the internet and sharing it with the world. And yeah, making stuff is the best way to describe it. It's very cool. Like, you know, there's a podcast like yours and a podcast like Ashley's. And I think it's so interesting to kind of start to demystify and pull back all these layers of like what these modern sort of self-run online businesses look like, because they're 
so strange where we live in a time where this is like something that exists now. It's like very of the moment. It's very modern. It's like personal branding and marketing. And it's such a full extension of like, you know, for me, I think this is a lot of people. I think this is you. I think this is a lot of people I know, but it's like, it's taking your personality and kind of your soul's purpose and aligning them for a higher purpose and not to make everything sound so precious, but that's like at the essence of what I do. It's not it's what I do isn't to make money to gain followers. It's actually because there's a purpose behind everything that I'm making and sharing. And the veganism is a part of that message. And just, I think overall trying to explore humanity and open up and be, I guess, just available for learning in a way. And it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of things. I didn't even answer that very concisely. It's just, it's a lot of things. But I'm very wrapped up in it personally. So it's not just a job either. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. Totally. I get that. Yeah. So you're talking about personality coming together with your soul's purpose. And then that's the content you share, right? Yeah, that's actually like a, I might not have said it exactly correct, but it's from a book that Gary Zukav wrote called Seed of the Soul. He talks about what that authenticity is, is taking your personality and your soul's purpose and aligning them. Oprah says it a lot too. I should probably know the exact phrase, but yes. <laughs> mm. Has it always been like that for you when you just started? Did it feel like you're doing your soul's purpose? I always thought I was. I think when I, I was always chasing after a career in television. I wanted to be a television host personality. I always had this this sort of need to want to share something with the world. But I was never really clear about what exactly the purpose of that was. But I had a calling to want to share to want to kind of be in the public eye or have a platform or something. So I've always been exploring that path. And I would say it's become a lot more clear and made a start to make a lot more sense once I went vegan and then started creating via food and that kind of creative outlet, you know, when I did television, I was in entertainment and music. And while that was sort of fun and a little bit self-fulfilling, it didn't always necessarily feel super purposeful, like at a higher level. But I think it was purposeful for me just to grow and learn and learn how to do what I do now. Like everything is a stepping stone to the next thing. So I definitely see the purpose of my television career now. But this, what I'm doing now with food and vegan food and my vegan lifestyle and talking about these things and talking about mindfulness, that definitely feels more aligned hmm. than it ever did before. Yeah. I love that. First of all, I love what you said about how everything is a stepping stone. And I totally agree. And I also think that Everything that we are doing today is preparing us for what we're meant to do next. And yeah. it all kind of builds us up. And we only get as much as we're ready to receive and channel and share with the world. And yeah. it's interesting what you said about food, because, you know, for me, my main platform is also related to food. It's Breakfast Criminals. And to me, that's how I started. But then now it's moving more and more into food and mindfulness, food and self love, food and following your heart. And I've always, made sure that my platform is full of those deeper messages and symbols of, of self-love and nourishment and rituals. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious, how is it for you on your personal journey of expansion and growth and your business growing? Has food always felt like a relevant vessel to get your message out there? Does it still feel that way? 
Well, it definitely does. And I don't think that I made that connection until I went vegan um, eight years ago. Like I think going vegan, because that has an effect on not just your body physically, but there's a cleansing aspect and there's an aligning aspect. I think when you start to eat foods that don't have any cruel practices involved in them, that starts to line things up, at, you know, at a level that you're not even aware of right away. Mm. And then, you know, from there, I found more of a spiritual path, or at least I was more open to a spiritual path or those types of conversations or that type of language start to resonate more because I think my physical vessel was open and had space. And I made that space by changing what I ate and noticing that I wasn't feeling good. So I got myself feeling physically well, and then mentally and emotionally sort of followed behind that. And I feel like that's really what opened up this space or this portal to like this discovery. And then using the food as a way to express myself or like share and express a creative thing and also sort of a statement with it also started to make sense and just sort of it was just easy and it's just what I gravitated to so that is still very much the crux of what I do and why I do it it's because of the food it's because of the way that food changed my life and I want to bring that to other people in a really accessible easy digestible way so that people will listen you know Mm -hmm. I have such a bigger mission with what I'm doing. And I think people are starting to get that. Or once they come into my world and they see what I'm doing and they consume my content, they too then become affected. You know, they're really making the changes. I'm just sort of a tool or a catalyst for them to discover that the way other things were tools and catalysts for me to discover it. So I'm just, you know, we're all part of that web or that system. So can you tell me a little bit more? You mentioned that you came from the TV world. And then you became vegan, you got into the food world. What were the, what was the exact journey of when you woke up and you were clear that, okay, I'm passionate about this and I'm going to start making YouTube videos and I'm going to be sharing this? Well, that was never, (laughs) you made it sound so easy and it really, (laughs) it wasn't. It was a, a really slow progression to get to the YouTube channel. But basically I, when I worked in television, this was something I had been wanting to do since I was a young teenager. So I did manifest and visualize this dream job I always wanted, and I eventually got it in my 20s. So I spent almost 10 years like working at that career, thinking that that was my life's work and that this was my passion, like music and entertainment and media and all that stuff was really what I thought I wanted to do. And that was just an old goal. That was a goal from when I was a teenager. Once I was there, things started to shift. Obviously, I'd kind of grown out of that. I enjoyed it. I learned a lot. I really enjoyed it. But near the end, you know, it became a little more taxing personally and politically. The broadcasting world is just very tough. I lost my job a few times and got kicked around a lot. And that's all great. But I, when I eventually lost my job again in the summer of 2014, at that point, I had already gone vegan. I had started my blog right when I decided to go vegan and documented my transition. So the blog existed from the moment I made that decision to change my eating habits, but it never really became anything. You know, I didn't put a lot of work into it. It just sort of existed. It was for my own accountability. I didn't really know anything about blogging. This was in 2010. And it just sort of sat there while I worked in television. And then I started doing a lot of social media because of my TV hosting stuff and trying to build my personal social media and brand. And I really started to kind of get the hang of social media. I really liked it. 
I sort of started to learn and use it and see the positive aspects of it and observed, you know, just like how things worked on social media. And I started to feel like I knew what I was doing. So my blog was always called Hot for Food. And I took that and started an Instagram in 2012. So that's where it kind of started in the way you see it now, because Instagram really started to launch me into the community and, and just sort of get the Hot for Food name and brand onto the internet. So that was sort of happening as my TV career was starting to transition out. And I could sense that Hot for Food was something that it could be something bigger, but I wasn't sure what to do or how it would grow. Um, and then when I got let go from my television job in the summer of 2014 because of just cutbacks, it was very clear and right away, and I had already been feeling it a few months prior to getting let go, that this was all going to happen. It was just sort of that push that I needed to actually spend the time on the brand and the food creations and really like make it a full-time purpose. So it just forced me to do that. From the day I got laid off, I was just hit the ground running, kind of knowing that that was what I was going to do. I was going to build Hot for Food into something big. And I had had a bit of blog traffic and the Instagram was doing well at that point. So there was some pre-work had already been done. But once I was able to like work dedicated on it full time, that's when it started to expand a lot and very quickly. And the idea of doing a YouTube channel wasn't really in the in my mind at all. To me, to be quite honest, for the first few months of exploring how I was going to grow hot for food, I was very resistant to being on YouTube. And I thought YouTube was sort of a step backwards for me as someone who was on national television in Canada. I didn't understand YouTube. And I thought it was, I thought the quality was terrible. And I didn't think it was the place that I could exist <laughs> doing something like because I considered myself a professional and all this stuff. So to me, YouTube didn't seem that way. But it was very quick, you know, within only three to four months that sort of shifted. I started realizing like, what's the big deal? Like, you know, you're a producer, you understand video, you understand storytelling, like that's why you have all this experience. So just put it on YouTube, like everyone's there ready to watch content, you know, it's built in. It's mm. popular. So I don't know, something clicked there and I just started making videos and putting them on the internet. And yes, very quickly, it was clear that this is where this needed to exist because no one was telling me what to do. I got to have complete creative freedom, you know, and that was in contrast to everything I was going through with working for a network where you're not allowed to do anything and all your ideas are shit on and, t and you're told no all the time, which I hate. So I was just took control of the whole thing and started doing it myself. and more or less building my own network and my own production company because of how incredible these online platforms are and just the power and empowerment that the internet gives all of us, you know? Totally. I Honestly, I see social media as an absolute manifestation tool. As long as we put ourselves out there and talk about things that we actually care about that are making difference in our life, and the intention behind it is that, is to empower others through sharing ourselves fully, it just lands where it needs to land. And another important thing that you said is that you knew and you intentionally started putting more time into hot for food and it mm -hmm. wasn't the other way around. We can't sit on something, put our energy in one place and expect it to come back to us from another place, right? So you actually created the space and the time and intentionally channeled your energy into growing this. You were like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to grow this. So with, yes. with that and learning more about how to blog and starting to put content on YouTube, how much of it was strategic 
and how much of it was just intuitive in, yeah. ter- in terms of the actions you started taking to grow it? Well, it's never felt strategic, not ever. It's always felt intuitive. That I would say is probably the difference between this career path I'm taking with Hot for Food and my own business versus when I tried to and got into television. This whole time, I feel like just every move I make and everything I do and every decision is I've really just tapped into the intuition and just whatever happens naturally, not trying to plan and strategize and figure out what the right thing to do is because what the right thing to do is always what someone else is doing or what you think someone else is doing. And that's not right for you. So I think that's taken me a long time to tap into and learn. And I'm always still trying to cultivate that every day. What you just said is so important. You said it the best way ever is that the internet is a tool for manifestation. It's so interesting because I feel like I've tried to have a couple of conversations where where we tried to talk about it that way. Mm -hmm. It's hard to, it's hard to articulate, but you just said it so clearly and concisely. And it's so true. And I've noticed it because that's what's happened is how quickly this whole thing has grown because of what I just choose to put out there and share is just verbally and very clearly telling the universe what I want all the time. And it comes back so quickly and so much stronger than I have ever had happen in my life. And I think it's because of the internet. It's because of the reach. It's because of, it's, it's so weird, like not to get too like super weird about the internet, but it also is like, I think what we're creating and all that information we're housing on this like weird thing that we don't even know, like, where's the internet? Where does it Mm -hmm. exist? Like how powerful is all that information? And I think about that all the time, but it's interesting to, to document my life on YouTube and vlog and show a lot of my life because I feel like I'm able to track everything I've said. And I've noticed all these things I say out loud come true. I don't even realize I'm saying them, you know, it's almost like journaling, but like 10 times more powerful. Wow. Yes. Yes, totally. So I, well, I don't know if I answered your question, but yeah, I really like that you said that. Yes. You know, actually one of my guests, Ruby, founder of the Numinous yeah, website, love her. She reposted my quote about social media being a manifestation tool. And it totally blew up. It blew up. People were like, Oh my gosh, this is exactly what I've been thinking about. It really resonates. And it's what it is. And that's exactly why I was drawn to you. And I would love to understand a little more about your personal manifestation process. I've watched your YouTube video from, I think it was from 2015. Mm-hmm. where you talk about it and how you got to it and how you practice it. And I'm curious now, you know, you're saying that whatever you put out there on the internet as sort of your online diary, that, that comes true. What is the, do you follow specific steps or a process? Well, it's been an interesting journey. I don't even know if what I'm going to say now will be the same as what I said before, because I don't remember what it was. <laughs> but I think it's that, yeah, you know, the journey of that or the learning of that's always slightly changing, I think. But around that time when I would have shot that video, I certainly had already discovered and started watching or listening to Abraham Hicks videos, which uh, if anybody doesn't know that, it's just a woman named Esther who's channeling source energy and talking about the law of attraction. Mm -hmm. And the law of attraction was never part of my language as a young person in high school, but I was doing it. You know, I was super aware self-aware of something else at work. I would probably say more than anyone when I was younger, like Oprah Winfrey was probably my catalyst for discovering this type of stuff. 
because she, again, was so brave enough to start talking about this in a public platform. And look what she's manifested Mm -hmm. by doing that. You know, Mm -hmm. it's so crazy. So I really look at her. I don't have I don't necessarily love the word role models, but if there's anybody that I align to in the public eye, it's Oprah. And I think she's so powerful. And I just love everything she's created. And when she speaks, she speaks with purpose and soul and and intention. And all of those words weren't things I understood before until I became in you know my late 20s, early 30s and actually discovered meditation. And then this, I think, has just become part of our consciousness and the conversation at large. So the language has become more clear to everybody and the things to say and do. Right. So now I can talk about it in a same way that everyone else is kind of talking about it. But I've always been doing it and I've always been aware of a power. So I've always been a creator and I've always been a manifester. But now I'm starting to have a real grasp on, I guess, how it's happening. And it was Abraham that made me understand that in terms of letting go, like what letting go really means. You know, everyone would say, let go, let it go, let it go. Like that's like sort of a woo-woo language to say, like when we're talking about meditation, but true letting go is what Abraham says, which is letting go of resistance. Like everything that is happening is either happening or not happening because of your own intention and thought around it. So you're the only one in your own way. You're the only one responsible for something not happening or for something happening, whether you like it or not. So starting to grasp that and understand the mechanism and I guess understand the law, the actual law of attraction, just allows you to go through your life with I get, it's just my, and then that's true mindfulness. It's like going through your life with actual mindfulness in everything you're doing and taking full responsibility for everything that you're doing and everything that's happening. So that's just, I guess, now that I have a language and an understanding and I'm more of a structure to kind of guide myself within, I've just noticed it's become the manifestation is faster. The manifestation is clearer. The signs are clearer. My intuition is stronger. It's all kind of working in tandem. And I think it was meditation that brought me to that space. And, and then going back a few steps, you know, going vegan is what allowed that space to even come into my existence. Hmm. All the things you're talking about, law of attraction, it's interesting how I also got into this work through Abraham Hicks. Mm. And someone gave me that book and it just, there was no way back after that. And I just spent a week in Mexico on a retreat called Grace Retreat. And one of the leaders was Donnie Epstein, who is Tony Mm. Robbins' healer. And honestly, one of the most powerful healers of our time. Wow. An episode with him is coming up. I'm stoked to share that. And some of the things he was talking about is, you know, also totally based in law of attraction of how whether we want something or not, if we're talking about it, if we're thinking about it, if it's in our field, we're going to bring more of it. Yeah. Because the universe doesn't understand whether we're asking for more of it or for less of it. There's no such thing. So that's why we should focus always on what we want more of. So with you, you know, developing your own process and being more conscious of it, do you write down what you want? Like a list of this is how many YouTube views I want and this is how much money I want to make, or is it more internal? So I have done that, but I've never found it to be maybe as useful as it might be for someone else. I think it's more internal. It's, and I've noticed it works better for me that way. It's internal. It's a vibration. It's that's a, that's a word that Abraham uses, but the vibration or the energy. So I can really feel that and tap into that. And I can feel when I'm not tapped into it. I can feel I am tapped into it. And I can, I can set those intentions or those 
goals or manifestations or whatever I want, I can set it in that vibration. And it, it's all just happening ethereally. It's not really happening physically. It's not happening on a piece of paper. It's not happening on a vision board. It's just happening in this unseen <laughs> world <laughs> mm-hmm. that's literally right there, like in my sphere, but you can't see it. It's the field. It's the field. Yeah. So if, that's why I said ethereal, like the etheric field, the aura, whatever mm-hmm. word, you know, you could use different words. Mm-hmm. So I'm noticing I'm doing that more. And that seems to be working because I used to do the writing because that's what kind of everyone else said, like write it down or da da da. But I didn't really didn't really resonate as high, as much for me. I'll write when I'm trying to clear something. I will write it down as if it's like if I write it down, then it's leaving my physical or like emotional body and going into a physical thing onto the paper, and then I can that sort of pushes it away, not pushes it away, clears it like it's like mm-hmm. letting it go putting it out there. Like if I have like strong negative emotion or something I can't seem to let go of, then I'll write it out kind of just free flow writing to release it. But I don't really write to intend something to happen. And have you noticed that the more you do your own work of clearing things, of meditating more, of doing all the things that bring your joy and connected to your purpose, how does that impact your business in terms of success in this material world? Well, I've never felt more successful or like I have accomplished things I didn't really even know I wanted to accomplish. Success can sometimes be an outward thing, you know, accomplishing certain things or awards or accolades or articles or interviews or magazine covers or like things that help build my brand. Like I'm aware that those are outward things that, you know, help accomplish more of the bigger picture goal, right? Mm-hmm. I don't take them super seriously. Like those aren't the things that make me successful, but it is this tapping into this energetic vibrational world that has allowed just a more overall, I guess, successful path to be laid. Like meaning I feel like everything I'm doing is so intentional and so what, and just what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, it's like what I'm meant to be doing. It never feels like I shouldn't be doing it because I'm always checking in with my intuition saying, asking that question, like, Mm. and it's not even a whole like long process. It's always a very instant thing. It's like, is this clear? Is this not clear? Is this the right thing to do? Is this not the right thing to do? It's like an immediate response. So it's not like something I have to try super hard to do. But what I do have to work at every day is just, again, maintaining those that, that vibration or maintaining that connection to source or my higher self so that if I'm aligned, then everything I do is, of course, in alignment, right? Mm-hmm. How do you stay aligned? What do you do on a daily basis? Well, it's meditation and it's sitting and it's I have a space where I do it. So I go in the space and I light candles and I've got like a, I guess what you would call an altar or something, crystals and candles. And I have a Palo Santo thing. So I smudge myself in the room and then I sit on a meditation cushion and I usually sit with my palms facing down onto my knees, cross-legged, which is a grounding sort of uh, position so that you're, you're grounding into the ground and feeling the earth and getting settled. You, and I, I'll breathe a bit. And then usually lately, at least for the last 
quite a bit of time, I've been just listening to Abraham. So I actually use the Abraham talks as a meditation. So on you, everyone asks where, where, where everyone wants to know where I listen to it. It's just on YouTube. Like you can just type in Abraham Hicks and you just get all of the snippets from her workshops. So she does workshops around the world where, and they tape them all. So all of the information and all of the channelings are just readily available for free on the internet. Do you have a favorite right now? Oh, I couldn't pick one. I just, <laughs> I just actually go on, I'm subscribed to the official channel and there's there are people reposting all these things all the time. So mm-hmm. I really like that they actually don't care about that, that it's all just being shared. And I guess there's other people making money off of her stuff. Like, but it doesn't seem like anything's copywritten in the way that, like, mm-hmm. if you were to share music, it would you'd get flagged. Yeah. But anyway, it's sort of interesting that that's the case because people can just very easily find this and access this. So I will just whatever I figure whatever pops up on my recommended is what I'm supposed to listen to. So it usually is too, and so I'll usually just play. I shouldn't say usually; it always is. So I'll play whatever pops up first, and I'll just sit there. And the, the channelings or the, the Q, sometimes she does it Q&A style with someone in the audience. It's usually anywhere from 16 to 30 minutes. So I never really care how long it is. I just play whatever it's supposed to be. And then I'll just sit there. I'll close my eyes. I'll breathe. I listen to the words. And it is a very instantaneous feeling of like connecting into that alignment, like feeling the vibration in my body, like through the center channel of my body from the earth up into the universe. Like it's that channel, I guess I've cultivated enough to be able to sense that pretty quickly. That might sound vague and weird to people if they've never meditated or they don't know what I'm talking about, but Oh no, we've our people are tapped they know, in. They get they're it. tapped in. They yeah. get it. <laughs> but for anyone who's new to it, you know, you might be like, what do you mean? Like, you know, and and I started meditating in 2013. So I've been doing this for five years. But even the first time I meditated, that tapping in or that vibration came right away. You know, it's there. You can close your eyes. You can put your hands even together at your heart. You can feel a sensation. There is a subtle sensation or vibration around your skin or through your veins or, and so become aware of that because that's our energy. Like that is our source that, or the source energy that we're tapping into of the universe. And so it's constantly trying to feel that and tap into that and then stay there and obviously I don't, and we all don't stay there constantly 100% of the time because you go out into the world and things are happening and you're not sure. But the more you meditate, I think, and start your day with that practice, it doesn't leave you. Like it can't fully leave you. You can waver, uh, you can misstep, but it's all helpful information hmm. uh, to help you get back to the alignment. And I think it's such a beautiful remark that You might get there the first time you sit and meditate. It might take you a year, but it's that consistency of practice. And for me, it's honestly, I've always been the kind of person who seeks peak experiences. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was a teenager, I read this book and I took a quote from it called 99 Franks by Frederick Bagbader. And there was this quote that said, I'm seeking balance between dashes of ecstasy. And when I was 15, I was like, yes, that's me. That's what I do. (laughs) I like had nothing. I didn't know anything about life yet that spoke to me. But now I I understand what it was about is because I am very attracted to peak experiences. And that is one of the reasons why I love ceremonies and going to India and going on these like super in-depth transformational retreats. And for me personally, doing those things 
really helps because once I have a peak experience where my whole body is tingling, maybe mm. there's like a spine movement, maybe there's a, a sound or a breath that comes out of my body, that really imprints something. And I, yeah. I trust and I know that I have that place to go back to. I might not always have access to it in every moment when I want, but there's still this like vague taste in my mouth of it that keeps this thread of trust universe you got me I got you I just gotta sit with myself yeah absolutely and yeah you just like once you know you know you can't go back it's kind of like going vegan it's like once you know the information once you see it how do you go back to contributing to the cruelty it's the same thing so it imprints it's there you have sort of a default state now or something you're always trying to come back to like you said I like the way you put that mm. About the balance. What was it? The balance. Trying to find balance between seeking balance of between dashes of ecstasy. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned a few minutes ago that for you it's very clear on an intuitive level the opportunities that you're going to say yes to, opportunities you're going to say no to. How exactly do you feel it in your body, or is it in your mind, or is it like an outside experience? It is a feeling, and it's almost whole body because. I spent a lot of time, especially at the beginning of starting Hot for Food full time, chasing and grasping and thinking I had to say yes to everything. Otherwise, I would lose out or, you know, miss something. So I spent some time really honing in on this. It wasn't clear from the beginning of running my own business that this is how I was going to run it. I think we all go through the initial stage of that sort of we're desperate, we're trying, we're trying to build, we're trying to become successful, we're trying to get people to know who we are. So we're saying yes, yes, yes to everything. And they're not all they're not all the right things to do. And you start to notice that things don't work as easily and they're sticky and you're stuck because you're kind of just forcing things. So once I actually stopped saying yes to everything and actually stood my ground and said no, <laughs> as soon as I'd say no to something I knew wasn't right, the right thing would literally come the next day or a couple of days later. Isn't that amazing how that works? Oh, yeah. It's instantaneous. Then that's your clue. That's like, hello. That's the universe. Like, hello, trust me. I know what I'm doing. You're like, okay, fine. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it was just a process of doing that enough till it didn't work anymore. And I finally, you know, clued in and at a physical feeling level, you know, so when I get something, I read it or someone asks me a question, I feel it just like a that's right or that's wrong for me. Yeah, it's a whole body thing. It really is a gut. It's kind of a gut thing, a gut and a heart, like the, the gut and the heart feel mm -hmm. very connected and it just sort of resonates in the core center of the body. So having a business that is so tapped in and connected to, you know, your personal brand is you. Mm -hmm. It is very much going with the flow and listening to that divine guidance. How, when you have a business like that, what I find cha not challenging, I don't know if that's the right word, mm -hmm. but what I found interesting to move through is how do I hire people and expand my team and expand my business beyond me when it is such a flowy and intuitive thing? I'm curious to know how you went about that. Right. And what's interesting about that is it was just, well, it wasn't just me really ever from the beginning because prior to getting let go from television and starting hot for food full time, I did have a friend who I met through my television job who was a publicist and we just connected on a job I did as a TV host. And I said, if ever I have my own thing or I leave, you're coming like right away, you know, I'm hiring you right away. Mm -hmm. So she was one of the first people that I found right away where again, just through a sort of a divine connection, I knew 
was a, someone I could have on my side or my team. So Tiffany was with me from the beginning as my publicist, transitioning my, I guess, public persona or whatever for, as an t- entertainment host to a t- food expert, vegan food expert. So I was always so grateful. I was like, I'm so grateful for Tiffany. I'm so appreciative I have this person, like just someone to come along on this journey with. Also, at the time, I was with my ex-partner who was part of the journey mm-hmm. of Hot for Food. So I had that, too. I never felt alone. But regardless, even if you're starting something alone, I think that I was always just cultivating a, an intention, actually. And this one I did write down and I also said it aloud, is that like I have a team of, you know, empowered people that... I trust to have the best intentions for my brand and they help me achieve the higher purpose of hot for food. So I was always trying to cultivate team members in some capacity. And even starting the YouTube thing, I was connected with the people at Kin Community, which you read in my bio. Mm -hmm. They're a YouTube network that I signed with immediately. And they're really one of the only reasons I decided to take YouTube seriously and actually start posting videos. Because I felt like, again, here I have someone to be accountable to, someone to support what I'm doing. I never, I guess I just never wanted to do this alone. I maybe just knew deep down that, that I didn't, I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to, or I thought I wouldn't be able to. So while I do create a lot alone, I have this support team or this, a lot of people now around me helping with the bigger purpose of this. And they're amazing. Like, Again, I just feel like I couldn't really do it alone. So it's the same thing as visualization or intention or anything trying to manifest is you can manifest the right people. I think we maybe get, you know, I, I don't, none of these people work in my home with me all day long. It's not like I'm running a company and we have a, we have an office. Like these are partners. Like I have partners that I work with and everyone's doing what they're meant to do. And it's all working in tandem, you know? I really like it. It's so incredible. It's so different than the way I'm used to operating or having a job or working with people. But I definitely cultivated and I definitely manifested it based on my previous experience in television. Because when I was there, I was like, I don't like the way this feels. I don't like this. I don't like this corporate structure. I don't like this having to feel obligated to be in this office with all these people. Like, you know, it's kind of when Abraham talks about when you know what you don't want, you know what you do want. Yes. That's what I was doing back then with that whole television thing. And I now I run my own business and it is structured like in this way that is so incredible that I didn't even realize you could do. <laughs> mm. And it works so well and it, it benefits me and, and everyone else who's part of it is benefited by it. Uh, it's interesting. I love, love, love what you said about the intention of growing your team. I'm totally going to rewind back mm-hmm. and write that down <laughs> for myself and take that on. So how is there a structure? Do you have like a weekly call with your team? How do you make sure that everyone kind of stays in the same vortex of intention and wherever you're going with your company? Well, that's what's so cool is that, again, I'm not doing anything. It's just happening. <laughs> I think I'm just worried about myself. So I'm sitting here in the morning doing those meditations, like I said, and and putting out the energy or the vibration of these things. And so I don't have to do anything else. Like I don't have to worry about if so-and-so's followed up on that call for me with that client because that's a paid job. Like it just happens and it just gets done. And I don't feel like I need to be, it's because everyone that's part of this team or these partners I work with, 
everyone just has this empoweredness about them. And it's not saying I'm empowering them. Maybe at an energetic level, I am, but I just think I've attracted the right people mm. by just, again, worrying about my own alignment and vibration, as opposed to worrying about all the stuff outside of myself that I can't control. But by maintaining my own vibration and alignment, that's the only thing I can control. And so everything falls into place around that. I love that. You know, I love Dave Asprey and Bulletproof Podcast. And mm. on it, he talks about how the energy of the founder of the company or the CEO, whoever that is, is always reflected in everyone else who's part of the company. So, you know, that's like exactly the question that I am pursuing with this podcast. And I love what you just said. And it's not like you're not doing anything. It just feels effortless because it comes from the place of being intentional and staying in your purpose and trusting people around you. Yes. And so everything should be easy like that. You know, there should be that ease. I think when it's not, then, you know, you're trying to control too much. You're looking outside yourself too much. You're not aligned. There's always that. Again, it's like a gauge or a scale. You can tell when you're tapped in and you can tell when you're not tapped in. And it's just in your own ease with things. That's and your emotions. You're like, because the things should be flowing and coming easily. That's how they're supposed to work. They're not supposed to be struggle and hard and tough. I mean, you're just creating that. What do you do when you're not feeling tapped in? Well, I'll cry because I'm like, oh, there's a lot of stuff built up in here that I got to release. So usually <laughs> crying mm -hmm. happens spontaneously. And I will try to go outside in nature, walking by the water or in trees or something. That's like if I'm here and I can't really leave my home. Like I, I love traveling. I like getting away from, I guess, my normal surroundings. And that sort of refreshes me or taps me in in a bigger way. But I think just on the day to day, it's like I got to get out of this space. I got to walk or I just I have to cry or I have to or I just go and I go into the other room where I meditate and I I do that same thing I mentioned I do mm -hmm. every morning. So sometimes I'll do that in the middle of the day if I'm really struggling and sometimes I just stop. Like I've had days where I'm, I'm getting a bit anxious about a deadline or I, or I feel overwhelmed. This happens all the time. Like I feel overwhelmed. I'm like, I have too many projects due, too many deadlines, too many people to answer to. I start cooking. I start shooting. I start doing something and kind of forcing it to happen because I think I'm running out of time, even though I'm not. Mm -hmm. And I'll just, it just won't work. Like something, you know, I'm dropping stuff. I'm burning my hand. I'm just like <laughs> fucking up left and right. And like, that's so obvious, like, just stop, like, stop trying to force it. Like, you're not even supposed to do this right now. So I will sometimes get so, and I'll just be like, what am I doing? And I'll stop. And I'm getting better at not getting even in that far gone into it, but it's been, it's happened. It's even happened recently. And it's just, I just learn every time I'm like, okay, so it's just, again, it's that, it's just the trying to control and trying to force and coming from a place of lack coming mm. from a place of lack, like lack of time, lack of money, lack of whatever. So mm. then trying to force things to happen. And that doesn't work, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. It's like, we can either when we have all these things do and all these emails to respond to, we always get to choose if we're going to allow ourselves to be overwhelmed and complain about it, or choose a different perspectives of, wow, People really want to work with me. Wow. People are yes. emailing me. They really want to learn something from me there. You know, there must be 
something about the work that I do that's really landing with people. This is amazing. Yeah, I might not be able to respond to them, but I'm just so grateful that people want to hear from me. Yeah, yes. And it's a constant checking in on that, what that perspective is and where what your thoughts are doing, right? Without letting them get too far away from you so you don't even know. Because that's really it. If you're getting tons of emails, I'm getting all these jobs or whatever. Well, I asked for that. So what? <laughs> so here I am. And I'm not being given anything I can't handle. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And once we switch our perspective, somehow, magically, we have more energy to do all the things we are meant to do and have agreed to do. It's like when we're fighting with it and we're overwhelmed, it seems like in the same time and space, we can do less because we're fighting and resisting. Yeah. Yep. Yes. So, Lauren, you've been doing hot for food for a hot second. Yeah. I want to know, what are some lessons that you learned, either from mistakes or just from growing pains or anything kind of from the business perspective of looking back where things have just fallen into place and have become so clear? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that lesson of saying no was a big one, like... Just start saying no more. Like for anyone listening who's like, oh, there's a lot of things I'm doing I don't feel very aligned with. You have to say no to those things. That creates a lot of space for the right things. That was a huge lesson that I learned after about a year of doing this full time. Everything shifted as soon as I did that. I made more money. I got better clients. I, yeah, it just was, was like, duh. <laughs> like, so, but I think it's easy to fall into that trap. So that's a huge lesson. Maybe a lesson I'm in at the moment is to just really remember again that I come first. Like, yes, I have this vision and purpose and I want to help people and I want to share. And it's like this really big thing that I don't even sometimes fully know how to articulate. But at the end of the day, like I still have to come first like the audience can't come first the clients can't come first I have to come first meaning like I have to take care of myself I'm I struggle with that because I am maybe addicted to working I don't know it may be my addiction I feel you on that yeah and I'm just starting to notice am I trying to distract myself from something else I don't want to feel you know I'm starting to look at it like that a little bit it's mm -hmm. okay I'm trying to not be hard on myself, but at the, I have to remember I, I come first. So these are things I currently may be exploring in, in my, when I meditate, really asking. I'm trying to ask deeper questions about, about the other levels at play here with like what I am doing, if that makes sense. Totally. Because I, I think just lately I'm not, uh, I'm not taking enough time to take care of myself, like eating properly and, and actually doing those walks and things like that that I need to do and exercising. And again, it's just, I just got to shift my perspective because I, I am busy. There's a lot on my plate, but again, it's nothing I can't handle, but I have to be okay. And I have to feel energetic and, you know, filled up in order to do these things. So again, that has to come first. So before I get on the computer, before I answer the email, before I do whatever I do, I have to remember that, okay, maybe I just need to start my day later and take more time in the morning to go slow and meditate and make a proper breakfast and you know, not feel like the day is already getting away from me. Totally. I, gosh, I'm so familiar with that feeling. One thing that really helped me with that is having a solid morning routine. 
Mm-hmm. After I read that book, Miracle Morning Routine, I made my own version of it that I'm actually making a YouTube video about. Mm. And, you know, the whole Miracle Morning Routine, it's a best-selling book. There's different adaptation for entrepreneurs and for this and that. But the idea is that when we take those first waking moments to really tap into what's important for us, something magical happens and there's all this space that's created. And for me, if there's one thing I do in the morning to set myself up for success, it's setting an intention of how I want to feel that day. Mm-hmm. And I find that when I just, and listen, hey, I talk about this for living, right? In the mm-hmm. importance of morning rituals, morning recipes. Do I do it every single day? No. Some days maybe I'll do one thing. Some days I'll do like a whole one hour and a half meditation and intention setting and journaling and reading. But if there's at least one thing every single day that I do that connects me to that, I think it makes such an enormous difference. And I think that awareness of knowing what we need more of is the first step. Like for me, I just came back from a week away on a retreat and I opened my computer once to publish a podcast episode and that was it. And that was my boundary. It was this, you know, I'm also totally addicted to work and I have all these projects going on and I love them so much. How can I stop, you know? But for me setting that boundary of, okay, for six days, I'm actually not going to respond to emails. I'm going to set a respond, an autoresponder in my email and that's it. I'm taking care of myself <laughs> and I know that's going to benefit everyone down the line. And Doing those things, for me, setting those boundaries really helps. And I'm actually curious, how do you set boundaries with social media? Well, yeah, I liked that you were sharing. Thanks for sharing your perspective on that and and bringing up boundaries, because I think I'm in this, like, you know, going back to these lessons you asked about, but I'm in that lesson currently. I think it's been happening for the last year, this idea of boundaries, because I went full on with no boundaries, from the beginning mm. of this online display, <laughs> you know, I just did, I didn't think about it. I just did it. It felt right. It's fine. I don't regret it, but I went full on and just spilled the beans and put everything out there and had my relationship online and just put it all out there. And of course, then everything shifted and I'm not in that relationship anymore. And I didn't want to run and hide from the kind of I guess, platform I built or like openness that I had established with people. But at the same time, it's an incredibly hard, painful thing to go through publicly or have to talk about. Hmm. So the boundaries there were blurred. And going forward, I think I am a little more afraid in the sense I'm kind of just like I've been saying, like, well, I won't ever do that again. I won't Hmm. ever put that aspect of my life out there for people anymore because really, it's none of their business, you know, and it got really blurry. It was so great because I was in a partnership, but it was also part of the persona of hot for food. And I did that intentionally. It was very intentional. I wanted to do that for some reason. And I'm still exploring the reasons why I may have wanted to do that. And I, you know, I don't even know where I'm at with it all, but I think I've, I guess I have created boundaries since that last, you know, it's about a year actually, since we ended that relationship. So I've been reflecting on it a lot and I think I've just, you know, I've, one thing I did was I just like, if I got too overwhelmed or I couldn't keep up with the schedule of putting out two videos a week, I just didn't. And I just had to not worry about it. Like I just, I can't worry about it, Mm. you know, 
Mm-hmm. Again, that's worrying about everyone else and not myself. So I stopped posting for a bit on my other channel. And, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't talk about the relationship at all for months until I was comfortable. And I still haven't even gotten into detail and I never will. But I, I just set the boundary to the audience. I said, this is all I'm talking about. This is it. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think we can fall into a trap of the oversharing. You know, I, sharing is great. And anyone who wants to share whatever they want to share, I'm not judging them. But I had to check that for myself. Like, what is the boundary on that? Because I guess the trap is you could think, well, if I shared some, I got to share it all. Mm. And you don't. (laughs) So I think there's a few things maybe I'm just keeping more personal and not part of the conversation entirely. And I'm a little more mindful of that, I think, than just going forward. Because I started to notice, you know, I'm not, I don't get too thrown off by criticism or comments like I think I have a good handle on that and I'm pretty healthy with that I don't put a lot of weight and I don't take it personally Mm -hmm. but there was a moment in that vulnerable place I was in where obviously I'm hurting and there's a lot going on personally that I I started to become affected by that aspect of social media and I was like I don't like this I don't want to do this anymore like I don't I don't want anyone to say anything about my life so there was a bit of a time period there where I was like, ugh, like I was really confused on what my boundaries were and I was taking things personally and I was just starting to like sort of not publicly lash out, but in my own mind playing a game of like just almost wanting to stop entirely. Shave your head. head. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, sorry, that was a long answer. I resonate with all of that so much because I have a business now with my partner with my boyfriend called Crystal Criminals and it's all about healing power of crystals and we're releasing mm. a course and we lead workshops and that brand is both of us together. And you know, on the one hand I know that people love love and people love looking at people in love and how they can yeah. create things and you know, you know the power of that. Yes, yeah. And there's one part of me that's like, oh yeah, of course I want to share this because I want to show those who have not found this yet that it's possible. Just believe in it and here we're an example. But on the other hand, it's like, how far do I go and how much do I share? So I totally get that. And what I feel like when you do YouTube and you, you know, you have a book and you are part of so many big communities now and have started a lot of them, how do you deal like on a day-to-day basis with comments that might not be as supportive as you'd want them to? How do you not take that stuff personally? You know, I don't, I don't know the how, but I guess I have a lot of experience having worked in television. Like there was a part of me, a lot of me when I worked in television, the way I learned to be a host and a producer in that field was, I was very fortunate because I had this sort of sense that like no one was watching. And Mm. so when you come from a place of no one's watching, you're not as concerned about how you look and how you sound. People were watching, but there was just a bit of a overall sense from the team I was with that, you know, we felt like we were just making a show for ourselves and that was the best place to, to create from because mm. we didn't have to pay attention to the criticism. And I always performed as though no one was watching, which is a great place to be. So my upbringing in television, I think is helpful to not taking those things personally, knowing that, you know, everyone's a critic, everyone's going to think what they want to think and they have every right to, but Again, that's like the, you know, the four agreements. Don't take things personally. Like I think about that every day and I recite it every day because when you're triggered, when you're immediately triggered by what someone says, even in real life or on a comment, like just check 
like just say, okay, don't take this personally. This is about them. This isn't about me. They're allowed to think that, but this is about them. You know, I don't know. I think it's just reciting a couple of things like that in my head every time. Hmm. Not, I get triggered. Like I get the trigger, but I can turn the volume down on it pretty quickly now. And what's interesting too, going back to like talking about this like relationship in the public eye and things like this. And I opened up your, your crystal <laughs> criminals Facebook page. And the thing here said, grid intention, nothing ventured, nothing gained. And, you know, I gained so much from that relationship. I mean, that's partially how this whole thing exists. So I have to appreciate that and love that about that whole experience. But what's funny about the internet and like in real life, everything changes constantly, right? Like everything is constantly changing and shifting, except people love attaching to things and having things be permanent. And especially in the social media space, no one likes change. Now, once you establish a brand or a vision or a, or, or a format or anything, as mm-hmm. soon as you change and evolve and you want to do something different, everyone like gets so upset. Like mm-hmm. the audience, I don't know what it is about. I don't know why, but it's an, it's, I guess it's an attachment to things. But people, you know, people like the, what I've created and they're used to a certain thing. And I notice when I change it, it's, it's, it's not just easily accepted. It's like well, I miss this and I want this and it's like, okay, but like nothing is stays the same. Like relationships don't last forever. You know, love changes, relationships change, people change, everything's evolving all the time. And it's like, I try to live from that space and an acceptance of that, because if you don't, you're again, you're resistant and you're just pushing against the, the waves. Mm. So what was the point of what I was saying? It's just that like, yeah, like with the relationship ending and things changing on the channel, you know, I guess I just, I have to just believe and know that like, that's the way things are and the way things are going to go. And if I accept it and embrace it and go with it, then hopefully other people can too. And like, take that lesson for themselves. And like, yeah. So I don't know. It's like, you remember when Facebook went through its first big timeline change? Oh yeah. People were like, ah, like the whole Freaking out. (laughs) Yeah. But then everyone was fine with it. And I actually learned to like it back when face, I liked Facebook. Yeah. So, and we're, we're not Facebook, we're humans and we have our lives. So it's like honoring our own waves and changes and trusting that even if people might resist, well, that's just what needs to happen. Yes. You know, it's also one of the things you said that really landed is talking about taking care of yourself, first of all, and loving your audience, giving them attention, but not putting it always first. Mm -hmm. I think that's so brilliant because you know, having Instagram as your full-time job or, or any other social media platform, I have found myself in the trap of what do people want to see versus what is going to bring me most joy. And that mm-hmm. trap hasn't led me to anything good because I know that energetically when I create from a place of pure joy and doing things that light me up and make me feel woke, that's when it really lands where it needs to land versus this like strategized thing that I think people will like. Yep, totally. I've actually had that, I guess, intention or belief from the beginning with Hot for Food because the YouTube game is so much about, well, what's trending and what's the thing everyone's going to click in terms of like any any type of content, but for sure food, right? Like what's the popular thing you should make that will get people clicking? And I just never created from that place because to me that was strategy and that wasn't, it was like, but I don't want to make that. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I've always followed that when it comes to content creation and 
and I, I've probably said this on the channel, but I've, I have said, like, I love you guys, but you're, I'm still first. Like, I'm still going to do what I want to do over what you, you think I should do. Mm-hmm. I'll still take suggestions. And there's so much inspiration that comes from people that watch and leave suggestions. So it's like, it's a collaborative experience at the same time. But at the end of the day, you're right. Like, you just have to create from what you want to create. And again, coming from internal, your internal self and not, not being dictated by the external have all these new social media algorithms affected how your work lands with people? I don't think so. I mean, a while back, everyone was talking about this Instagram algorithm and people were noticing huge drop-offs in engagement and I did not pay attention. So hmm. I didn't notice. Again, I'd like to think my lack of attention to it <laughs> <laughs> manifested none of what I don't want. So yep. I never pay attention to that stuff. Great. Um, Let's just yeah. breeze through that question and move <laughs> on to the next one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that, that is a good lesson in just, yeah, focused intent, right? So speaking of what we want less of and what we want more <laughs> of, instead, what are you feeling woke about right now? Uh, that's a good question. What am I feeling woke about right now? Well, I think this is what happened just prior to talking to you today is I am aware, this is going to be very personal, but I'm super aware that my heart needs tending to. And, you know, now I know that. I've known that. I just haven't fully acknowledged it and said, like, okay, like, you need to pay attention to your heart. Your heart is broken. You need to just be with that. It's okay. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you less than anything. I think it's in acknowledging that, you know, now I'm aware, like that's imprinted. And so what am I going to do? I don't know. But that's just where I'm at. And it happened this morning, in terms of a an actual hitting home about that. Mm. And so that's where my work will be focused for a bit. Girl, I need to send you a heart bowl. Oh, a singing bowl? No, it's a ceramic heart-shaped bowl that you eat oh. from. And oh. that's how Breakfast Criminal started because I thought I was going to get married to this guy and my whole life was set up and I had my dream job and my dream apartment. And one day I found out that I didn't get a visa. I lost my apartment. My boyfriend left me and I had 60 days to pack up and leave to Russia. <gasps> and that's when Breakfast Criminal started while I was tending to my heart and learning how to nourish myself on physical and energetic levels and learn how to love myself. Oh my God. What? And now we're talking today? <laughs> <laughs> now we're talking. And so that's, you know, the red ceramic bowl was where, what I would eat my acai bowls from. And yeah, the food was resonating with people. The recipes were the superfoods and all of that. But really it was the messages that I was putting out there for myself, first of all, that resonated with a lot of people because I'm not the only one who's been through that. And we all need reminders to love ourselves first. So send me your address. I'll get you a heart bowl. Holy shit. I'm seeing the ad now. I'm on your website and I see it. The OG symbol of starting your day with self-love. How? Okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't need to tell you the whole thing of what happened this morning, but it's pretty magical. And now this, like, Mm. again, it's like, it's just like what, it doesn't matter how much you know about the law of attraction Mm. and like you're tapped in, even when stuff happens like this and the connections are made and the synchronicities happen, aren't you always just like what? Like, you're so surprised <laughs> still. Like, it's so fun. You're just like, okay, this is not a joke. Like, yeah. <laughs> I still kind of energetically every time look around and like, what? hold on, is this really happening? Because totally. I just, when I came home from Mexico celebrating my birthday, 
I received this check and the check was 1188 and that's my birthday. And I was like, out of all the numbers on earth, this is like a check that um, from Ebates where you make money for shopping online. So yeah. the number could have been anything. And it was 1188 and I just turned 30 and I was like, what? I still have it on my table because I'm like, is this real? <laughs> yeah. And it's just fun. You know, you got to pay attention to these little, they're like little clues. Hmm. And celebrate them every time, no matter how small they are. Oh my God. Every time. Hmm. Every time I look at the clock, it's 1111. Yep. Yep. That is so cool. I can't wait to eat out of the heart bowl. I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Oh my God. Okay. So I have a fun question for you. What was your first screen name? Oh. Like ever. Well, like, like, were we going back to like ICQ or something? Yeah. Yes. I'm yes. pretty sure. Okay. It's, it was my old Hotmail address, but Starfish from Mars. Oh my gosh. Can you please tell more about that? <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what that's about. You guys are going to be like, what are you even talking about? But there's a Canadian band called I Mother Earth and they were my favorite band ever as a teenager. And they have a song called, they have a song called Love Your Starfish. And then they have a song called When Did You Get Back From Mars? So I just liked the idea of a starfish or the symbol of a starfish i didn't know what they meant by love your starfish but their lyrics are very surreal and cerebral and mm. dream and dreamlike and very weird and i always connected with that so i just combined like the two names starfish and i called myself starfish from mars mm. <laughs> <I love that. laughs> what was your favorite computer game back when that was a thing as we were growing up I, I don't think I ever played computer games. I definitely wow. played Super, I played Nintendo, Super Nintendo. What was, do you remember the game there? Well, I loved Super Mario World, and I liked Donkey Kong, love, uh, the first Donkey Kong game on Super Nintendo. <laughs> I've eaten the whole thing. <laughs> what do you miss the most about growing up without social media? Oh, how much I actually, like, watched, I watched television, and I loved it. <laughs> And all the characters were so innocent and, and everything was so quaint and so, you know, like, like, you know, like full house, like everything was just so innocent and sweet and, and people looked realistic. They didn't look like 10 years older than they were. (laughs) (laughs) Everything was just, I don't know, so much more humble. And yeah, I, I just, I, yeah, I watched a lot of TV. You know, I wasn't one of these kids that played a lot of sports or anything, but I really miss, I liked those shows, those family shows, you know? Yeah. I loved Beverly Hills 90210. That was my favorite. Yes, that's when things got a little bit seedier, but I also liked that. <laughs> I'm talking like Full House, Family Matters, like Growing Pains, like all those old shows, Family Ties. I love that. Okay, so my last series of quick questions to you has to do with crystals. Okay. You mentioned that you have crystals on your altar. What Mm. I want to know is what is your go-to crystal right now? I've been using just a, what's it called? The twin flame quartz that I have. It has like the double quartz, like it's like attached. So they call it a twin flame quartz, which I think is weird. I actually never heard of what it, I didn't know what a twin flame was until like earlier this year and I kept mm. seeing the word everywhere and I was like what is this twin flame thing all about so I thought that was interesting I can't believe you're saying that because one of the things we make at crystal criminals is feather fans they're these oh. beautiful ritual feather fans 
wrap, hand wrapped in leather with a crystal on the bottom. So, you know, the crystal symbolizes earth, the feathers symbolize air. And the most recent one that Eric, my partner made is twin flame. And it's exactly what you're describing. And it's a twin <laughs> flame feather fan. <laughs> cool. You guys have an online shop? Uh, we do. Yes. Oh, Crystalcriminals.com. Cool. So what about that twin flame crystal do you love? Why are you drawn to it? Well, I'm trying to manifest self-love also, but also I'm super traditional into commitment, into partnership. It's what I want so badly. So again, <laughs> I have to work at letting that go a little bit, yeah. but I figure if it's all just in the power of this crystal, you know, I can just hold the crystal and it can be there when I meditate, but I don't have to necessarily focus on, I don't have to focus on love with someone else. I'm trying to focus on love for myself, but at least if the twin flames in the background, you know, the intention is there. Mm. Yeah. How do you work with it? Do you just hold it and meditate with it? Yeah. I don't overthink these things. Like I, I don't know what your practices are like with crystals and whatnot, but again, it should be, just be very intuitive. And so when it comes to putting certain crystals on the altar or around the candles or whatever, it's just picking whatever I feel drawn to and placing them again in no particular scientific way, just however I feel they should go. And if I am meditating with it, sometimes it will be in the palm of my hand. Sometimes it will just be in front of my, like my root chakra on the floor other times if I'm lying down, sometimes I'll put it, it on my heart. Yeah, again, it's just kind of a where does it it's a feeling in the moment. I don't really overthink it. Hey, those are all amazing and really powerful things to do. I'm with you on having it done intuitively versus mm. you know, looking it up online and searching for it and just letting your body lead you there. And sounds like you're doing all of that. Yeah, yeah. I've never really, you know, I'll look up what crystals mean or certain things, but often the way I learned to work with crystals was from an intuitive place, like just Often you'll pick something and if you read the meaning later, it will resonate, not necessarily looking for the meaning and then picking it, you know, mm -hmm. again, it should all just be very intuitive and how crystals find you or how crystals leave you is all very interesting. And, you know, it's just fun to kind of observe what's going on with them. Do you remember how your first crystal found you? <gasps> my first crystal, oh, my first ever crystal was a rose quartz necklace my friend gave me. So it was actually like quite a large string of rose quartz pieces and actually I should bring that I wonder where that is <laughs> I gotta find that <laughs> she gave it to me when I went through my last like other breakup like breakup a few years ago a long time ago and it was really interesting working with that rose quartz hmm. actually yeah, so whatever I gotta find that thing <laughs> boom it's finding its way back to yeah, you yeah I don't know where it is right now maybe I gave it to someone I remember I love how crystals they always show us where they need to be whether we need to let go of them and pass them on or they need to come more into our life Yes. Oh my God. I had the craziest experience with Moldavite. Oof. Moldavite is freaking powerful and it's from Russia like me. Oh, yes, it is. Moldavite is crazy. What happened? Okay. Well, this is going to make me a long story. I'll try to make it short. <laughs> a person that watches me met me in real life. Oh my God. It's funny that I'm telling this story because this is when this <laughs> happened pretty much a year ago now that I'm realizing she told me I needed this Moldavite crystal and she knew I was going to Nicaragua because I had mentioned it on my channel. Again, this didn't feel like someone who was trying to like get into my life. She was just like having an intuitive moment and message and she wanted to give it to me. So she, she ended up finding her way to this festival in Toronto, same festival I just did last weekend here. 
And she found herself last year at this festival, again, kind of synchronistically and couldn't believe she was actually going to meet me. And then she's like, I just got, when I touched this crystal, she thought she was going to get it for herself. And she, it was, she said that she was told it was the Moldavite was for me. Love that. So she told me this. And then I took a picture of the crystal, like of what type it was. I had never heard of it. And I forgot about it for a few weeks. And then when I went to the crystal shop, I remembered I found the name, went to the crystal shop. I had just gotten a tarot reading. I was going through, this is when the start of my breakup was happening Mm. last year. It was very hard. So I got a tarot reading from my friend and the tower card came up. So, which is like the world as you know, it is like burning into flames and changing. Like it was very clear, like, Oh, great. No big deal. Yeah, it was basically like you're going to be breaking up and your whole life's going to shift and change, but it's for the better. Mm. So this was my tarot reading and and the tower was the message there, the tower card. And then when I go to the crystal shop a few weeks later, I said, oh, I'm looking for Moldavite. And she goes, oh, my God. She's like, this is Moldavite. I'm wearing it. She's like, do you know anything about it? I said, not really. She's like, oh, she's like, she's telling me all this stuff about it. And she goes, so do you know the tarot? And I said, yeah. And she goes, well, Moldavite's the tower. (laughs) Wow. I know. And I was like, what? And I told her I just had this tarot reading a couple weeks ago. It's all very meaningful, everything that's happening. And it's like this woman who told me I needed the Moldavite didn't know anything that was going on in my life. You know, in the field. It was all laid out. Hmm. It was all laid out. And I was being resistant for about a month. You know, I went through this whole process. You know, it wasn't just like we're breaking up. Goodbye. There was a whole long drawn out process. And It was just interesting because all of the stuff I believe in was showing me the way. But of course, you don't want to accept that. Of course, you don't want to be like, my life as I know it is ending. Yeah. Yeah. But it did. And everything's fine. You know, everything is what it is. And it's, it did get much better after that shifted. Although it doesn't mean I'm not sad, but you know, Mm. it shifted in a, in a huge way that I'm still trying to piece together so it's just interesting, that Moldavite crystal, and it made me feel weird, and it made my arm tingle the way I, I read afterwards. Often if you touch it, it imprints in you, and it's there, even if you don't have it on you. Mm. So so crazy. That's so cool. You know, one of the things that also came up on the retreat is that Donnie Epstein was talking about is that for us to step into expansion and being the fullest version of ourselves, it takes a certain level of instability. When we are attached to the ways of being that we know in relationships we know and situations we know, and we choose comfort over instability and the unknown and the expansion, then we just are keeping ourselves small. Yeah. And so whether that instability is economic or political or personal, something like that, being shaken up, that's what it takes for us to reclaim our path. It's so true. And it's just a constant reminder to accept that, that that's true. I know that's true. It resonates. It's true. I know. And then there's that other half of you, you know, that other half of you. That, yeah, that needs wants, a heart bowl. <laughs> yeah. Or, but, and the, but the other half of you that wants to stay safe and small and secure and doesn't want the shakeup. And I, I've, I've just really identified both sides of that. But I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very aware of everything that's happened in the last year. And very, it's very clear that it is for a higher purpose for me. It's for the benefit of me. Hmm. The world is not out to get me and ruin my life and make me unlovable. <laughs> you know, like I know that that's not true. <laughs> yes. The world, the world is here to love you. Absolutely. And obviously with everything they have accomplished, you are so supported by the universe mm-hmm. and you yeah. have mastered the art of using social media as a manifestation tool. And I'm going to celebrate you for that. 
think that's so cool. And I'm so glad that I heard it said that way today. It's so cool. I got to go find the thing that Ruby shared. I guess it's on your page too, right? Yeah, I can send it to you because it was a while ago. Yeah. That's amazing. So with everything that we've covered, is there anything else that we didn't get to that you would like to share before we wrap up? No, I guess I just have to do a shameless plug for my cookbook though. Please share everything. (laughs) Every best way that people can connect with you, put it all in here now. Yeah, no, I'm super happy to talk about these kinds of things and not even really talk about, you know, work, work. But I do have a cookbook that I'm very proud of. So it's the debut Hot for Food cookbook. It's called Vegan Comfort Classics, 101 Recipes to Feed Your Face. And it is a bestseller. Mm-hmm. It's, done, it's done quite well. So check Amazing. it out. If you like vegan comfort food and lots of fun food, even if you're not vegan, it's very friendly for everybody. And then, yeah, just check out my content on my YouTube channel, Hot for Food, or under my name, Lauren Toyota. I have two channels. So that's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. Love it. Lauren, thank you so much for sharing everything that you shared. I'm so excited to have this go out. And I'm excited to keep following your journey and see what the next step of, of your incredible journey is. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate the space and the time and the platform to, I guess, share this deeper stuff. And I think, too, just given what we were talking about, I think I'm acknowledging that a lot of, I think, new things were said on this and powerful things were said on this that that will manifest. So I really appreciate your time and space. Mm, Manifesting? Co-manifesting. Yeah. (laughs) More of that. All right. Thank you, Lauren. Have an amazing day. Thank you so much. Bye. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends, leave a review, and find all the show notes on wokeandwired.com and connect with me on Instagram at wokeandwired. Stay woke, stay wired, and have an incredible day.